Hello there. This is yet another episode that's supported in part by an arts and culture grant from the city of Fort Myers. We really do appreciate the support and feel lucky to be able to connect members of our local arts community to the world. And if you like what we're up to, please help spread the word and love by liking us on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram and by rating us on iTunes and by sharing our episodes with your friends, whether online or in person like the good old days. All of these things really do make a positive difference and we want to keep the ever-growing momentum going. Going now on to the show. One, two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories, the place where musical memories are turned into stories. We extract biography from our guests using the songs that have touched their lives. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. Our guest today is Shannon Arnold. Shannon currently serves as artistic director of the Fort Myers Symphonic Master Singers. She's also the music director at Good Shepherd United Methodist Church in North Fort Myers. Prior to moving to Florida, Shannon received her master's degree in choral conducting at Temple University with Paul Raritan, Midos Andaya Hart, and Rollo Dilworth. She got her bachelor's degree in music education from Penn State University, where she studied piano with Dr. Stephen H. Smith and conducting with Dr. Christopher Kiver. Shannon started her professional teaching career at Fort Pierce Central High School in St. Lucie County on the other coast at State MPA, which I learned via Google stands for Musical Performance Assessment, in 2016. All three of the school's ensembles that participated received straight superior ratings. She came across our path when she was on Gulf Coast Live because she'd been hired on by the symphonic master singers but now we get to get to know her better via her song stories so let's go hi there shannon hello how are you i'm doing well how are you i'm doing very well thanks for doing this um okay in your bio you said that uh, you're the music director at good shepherd united methodist church and it said chancel choir and bell choir i didn't put those in because i didn't know how to put them in what are those well the chancel choir is the adult choir that oh, sings okay yeah so they're just the vocal choir and then the bell choir is is handbells yeah so we just started those rehearsals for a couple weeks now and uh, it's been a lot of fun and go i um i actually directed handbells when I was in high school at my hometown church, which is also a Methodist church, too. So I do have some experience with it ahead of time, which was exciting. I had friends in high school who pl- would play the bells at the Edison Estates at the Christmas pageant. That's like my only bell choir memory. Okay, yeah. <laughs> You're new in Fort Myers, right? I am. How long have you been here? I got here at the end of June. That's very new. Yes. So far, so good? Yeah, I'm enjoying it a lot. What brought you here? I mean, I know you took a job with the Master Singers, but how did you? How did that all come about? Uh, well, the Master Singers did a national search. So they put it on the American Choral Directors Association website. And so I was looking for something not necessarily in the teaching field because I had already done that. And so I applied because I thought it would be the next, you know, the next step for me in my musical career. Um, and I just got lucky and they liked me enough that they hired me. So I moved on down. How long were you teaching for? I taught for four years. Do you miss it at all? Um, There are aspects of it. You know, young singers are really appreciative of the, you know, experiences that they get from singing um, and they're really moldable. So that's something that's really um, rewarding about younger singers. But, you know, I mean, they're eager to learn just as much too. Um, It just takes a little bit longer, which is a a bigger challenge, you know, to get them to that next level. Not quite as moldable. Yeah. No, they're still moldable. (laughs) What was the musical background of your childhood? Um, wow. So I started singing when I was really young. I um, 
I sang in my children's choir at the at the church I grew up in. Uh, probably like the age of three or four, I started singing. Uh, and I did that for a long time. And then one day my dad asked me, hey, do you want to play the piano? And I was like, yeah, sure. You know, I didn't really know what that meant. So I started when I was six and I played and took lessons all the way through undergrad. So I took piano lessons for like, I don't know, 16 years or something like that. So it was it was a long time and it was very rewarding. So, I mean, I started singing and, and loved it and played piano. And then I decided I wanted to be a music teacher. So I started playing other instruments. I played French horn. I played violin. I played the cello. So it just, I mean, I kept adding instruments to my to my list so that I was more prepared to teach when I got to that point. How many of those instruments are still in your skill set? Um, you know, not as many of them. I I play piano the most um, out of all of them. And then I took up guitar and ukulele. I would say those are the instruments that I play the most frequently now. Um, uh, what kind of music was being played around you uh, as a child, like on uh, radio or vinyl or CDs or whatever? Yeah. So, you know, my parents, my mom is really into Fleetwood Mac. And so that's kind of the one of the songs, you know, that we'll listen to later. So I, I grew up listening to, to stuff like that, you know, um, Queen, uh, Doobie Brothers, you know, stuff like that. Um, you know, obviously, I also listened to what was popular at the time, but that music doesn't live with me as much now. Um, as an adult, you know, I, I kind of consider the stuff that I listen to with my parents really as the music that, you know, is, is more influential to me now. Is there an early musical memory if you try to dig way back that pops into your head? Um, I don't know. It's so hard because I have so many musical memories now. I would say some of the, the earliest are when I was singing in that children's choir, um, just kind of like realizing that it was something that maybe I had more of a gift for than my peers um, and just realizing that I was picking up on music quickly. Um, I don't know if I have anything specific, but I do remember sitting on the steps of the church kind of singing and, and having my director teaching us different songs and stuff and remembering that this is something that I really loved. Were you a quick study on the piano? Um, not initially. It took me a little bit of time to really feel like it was comfortable. I would say that my teacher thought that I was progressing probably faster than the average person, but it it wasn't until m- the middle of high school that it really clicked for me, weirdly enough. Um, and that's, that's when I realized, you know, when I'm auditioning for schools, um, you know, at the end of high school that I needed to be auditioning on the piano as opposed to the voice. When you say clicked for you, was that a matter of the – internal logic of how music works in your head or the dexterity required to do it? Explore the balance point between those two. I don't know. I've always been the kind of person that like I will do something for a very long time and I will be mediocre at it. And then all of a sudden there's this light bulb moment Mm -hmm. for me. Uh, That's just kind of – I think it has something to do with, you know, they say how many hours is it that you have to do something? They say 10,000. Yeah. So I don't know if that – I don't think I had gotten to that point yet, but it – I think I had gotten pretty close, and that was the moment when it really started to feel more um, organic for me, I think. Um, really just the skills were starting to kind of line up, um, and, and that's, I think, when that happened was about halfway through high school. What about um, you know, reading the score versus imp- improvising? I uh, Definitely, I need to uh, look at a score. I can improvise. Um, I'm... My ear is very strong, but it's really just an issue of I, I 
I think that I relied on it too much when I was younger that I really kind of attached to it. Um, but I can improvise. It's not the best improvisation that you will hear. And I think I would probably be better at it singing than I am playing piano. Hmm. Um, I definitely at least need some chords or something when I'm playing the piano to to feel like I can make something up. I did a lot of that at a church job that I had in um, in Fort Pierce on the other coast. So – I, I have some experience with it. It's not my strongest skill, but um, I think it's important that we explore all of the skills that are in all of the different styles of music because it's not fair to say, well, I don't like this style. No, you're a musician. You have to appreciate all of the styles for what they are. I've had a couple of classical musicians on this show and they're like, improvising? Nope, not going to do it. I mean like professional classical musicians. Yeah. Um, uh, before we get to your first song, do you remember the first music that you owned? Yourself, I think um, I would have to tell you that unfortunately it was like Britney Spears or Backstreet Boys you CDs. To, you don't have to back off that. No, it just <laughs> it. I mean, those are those were the songs that were popular when I was when I was growing up. So I think it was probably Britney Spears or Backstreet Boys CDs. Yeah. One of our recent guests changed her third song at the last minute because she wasn't sure she wanted to admit the formative role the Backstreet Boys had played in her life. Yeah, they, I mean, it was. <laughs> They were really popular when I was growing up, so they had a huge influence on me. But I don't know if that it still sticks. I mean, I could definitely sing along with any of the songs that you play, but um, it's just because it was so early in my life that it sticks in my head. Hmm. Okay, time for your first song. Yeah. What do you want to do? You want to talk about it? You want to listen to it? And by the way, I have two versions of it for you to well, choose from right here and now. Oh, okay. I have the uh, the version that's uh, from the 2012 film that's sung by Sasha Baron Cohen and Helena Bonham Carter, mm-hmm. and I have the original London cast recording. So I would like know. to hear the London cast. I kind of figured I got the verse that's one from the movie, and it was a better version, like quality wise. But mm-hmm. I thought I think I need to give you a second choice. So you want to talk about it? Um, I think let's listen to it first. Okay, let's listen to it. This is uh, a Master of the House from the musical Les Miserables, or Les Mis, as everybody says, from the original London cast recording. So where's that one take you? Uh, Seems well, like you were trying to hold back some laughter. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a funny song. It you is know? a funny song. Um, so the the story behind this is when my brother and I were, were young, we used to do these cabarets um, together. We would sing different songs. We did this one, um, weirdly enough, even though there's a little bit of um, <laughs> language in it. Um, and we did, you know, um, anything you can do, I can do better as well. Um, so it, I'm sure it was hilarious for audiences to watch two young children. Who were the audiences? Um, uh, you know, just anybody who came, you know, it was a... Family, friends. How family. young? Um, so... I think it was uh, – the audience were, were adults um, and it was just anybody who came to the cabarets. I don't know how much they cost. How old were you? Yeah, how, how young yeah, were you and your brother? Um, I would say that we were about uh, like 11 and 7 maybe. And you said cost, meaning this was like a thing that people went to, not a thing at your house? Right. It was oh. a thing that people went to, yeah. Oh, so, that's – okay. Well, I'm glad we dug a little deeper. I didn't yes, get that part. Yeah, so they, they chose to come to these cabarets um, – and so there were lots of other performers as well, but my brother and I would usually do a solo each, and then we would do some sort of duet together as well. Um, so we did this one, and I came out with a wig. I don't know. It was probably – it felt like it was a foot tall at the time. Um, so I had this black wig on, and I sang the the woman's part there, the, the second part. We had to change some of the lyrics to be a little bit more appropriate. My dad what wanted – change 
to? Uh, twit. Okay. Yes. Um, and instead of uh, raise it up the master's ass, we said hope it gives the master gas. Nice. Yes. Um, so we we changed some of the lyrics, uh, but not all of them. And you know, my dad didn't want to change any of them. He was like, "Just let her say it. I don't care." You know. But I th- think that some of the people were worried about how the audience would react to like a seven or eight year old, you know, singing <laughs> swear words. So how did you get from singing in your Methodist youth choir <laughs> to not saying? Shit? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, my dad had per- done some community performances when he was a little okay. older, um, and I think it really brought him a lot of joy when he was doing that, and he wanted us to have the same experiences. You know, it was never like you're, you know, forced to do these kinds of things. It was always, hey, do you want to do this? Um, and, you know, we would always say yes. My brother did a lot of performing when when he was younger. Um, he doesn't do a lot of singing or performing now, but um, we did these things together because it was fun for us and it was it was something that, you know, um, that I think my dad thought we would have a lot of success with. So we went into that and it was, it was really, you know, it has all these uh, great memories attached to it as well. I mean, when I was really young, I saw Les Mis on Broadway. Um, and so then I think that was where this whole inspiration for my dad came from, for us to sing the song together. He thought it would be funny. And it was. Did you guys get any of the cash they were spending at the cabaret? Did you guys uh, no. get a little stipend we, or something? Those cabarets we did not get paid for. Um, but we, my brother and I both did some different things that we did end up getting paid for later on. Was performing on stage ever part of your goal? You've gone into teaching and conducting and things like that. Yeah, you know, I I think that I realized pretty early on that I wanted to be more on the creative side of things um, and not necessarily on the performance side. Um I think that for me, the, there was more of a challenge into getting other people to pr- to produce a really great product as opposed to me doing it myself. Um, and I sing in choirs and stuff. I, I try to keep active with that. But I don't like being a solo musician. Um, I think that being in a choir presents a different sort of experience and working with other people and singing together with other people is really powerful. So I think that my passions kind of went in a different direction. But this was such a formative experience for me. It was the beginning of my performing career, you know, and it was also humorous. And I think that's where I get my sense of humor from, too. Um, I consider myself to be kind of funny. So um, I like to to say that these kinds of things that I did when I was young led me to be the comedian that I am as well. <laughs> I won't make you tell a joke. Um, uh, what, <laughs> Thank you. Where does music in general fit into your life, not with your professional life, but with your listening life? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. People always ask me, what do you listen to when you're, you know, not listening to what you're working on? And um, it's it's kind of a, a weird mixture of things. I mean, I think everybody describes what they listen to as like, it doesn't make sense, you know. Um, but a lot of times, honestly, I am listening to what I'm working on. Um, it is such a huge part of what I do that sometimes when I'm not listening to what I'm working on, I just don't want to listen to anything at all. Um, I need a a sound break. Um, I need a music break. But if I'm, you know, driving the car with other people, uh, I I like to listen to some classic rock or something. That's really how I feel like that that fits into my life. Um, But 
I, when I was young, we we saw musicals all the time, and so that's something else that I listen to occasionally as well. Maybe less often than I used to, but um, even this past weekend, I weirdly enough was on a road trip with my parents and my brother. It was just the four of us. Even though he's married and I have a boyfriend, they weren't there. <laughs> we it was just the four of us, and um, we were listening to some musicals and some um, classic rock and stuff. So that was pretty cool. Do you and your brother sing any duets on the car? Um, no, not so much anymore. We don't sing together as as much as we used to. That's interesting. We should probably do that sometime. That would be fun. Yeah. Uh, when was the last time you bought music that had a physical form? A physical form? Um, like listening music or? Not for work. Uh, for your own personal gratification. Wow. Oh, that, it's been a long time. The CD that you ripped the third song off of? Or was that even a CD that you got? The third I got it. I got the MP3s. I bought them um, on iTunes. So that wasn't even from that. It was, but I got that a long time ago. Um, I can't tell you. I I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to tell you when the last time I bought music for pleasure was. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Hmm. Well, now and two, I use Spotify. You know, I have I have Spotify, so I don't even buy music anymore. I just kind of stream it. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, what's it been like stepping into the artistic director role at the Fort Myers Symphonic Master Singers? It's been really fun. Um, I think that this is kind of where I was supposed to be. You know, I, I've always wanted to be in front of singers who want to be there. I mean, they're doing this volunteering their time. Um, you know, when you teach high school, sometimes they get thrown into your classroom and they don't want to be there. So you have to deal with that mindset. But with these singers, they all want to be there. They're eager to get better. They're excited to be singing um, and to be around each other. It's a community experience as well. And so I'm I'm really happy to be in that space again. I don't ever feel like if they're doing something that I don't necessarily think is the best, I don't think that it's ever out of a malicious intent, whereas sometimes the high school students were like, I'm going to sing this wrong on purpose hmm. just to make Miss Arnold angry, you know. Um, but I think that they're always working to be better, and that's the thing that I'm really, really excited about. And put simply, what all does your job entail? I mean, are you coming up with what they're going to sing? Are you? I mean, just describe what it is. Yeah, I uh, program all of the music that we sing for a season. I stand in front of them for rehearsals um, and get them prepared for it. I work behind the scenes as well, you know, talking to other people to get musicians to play with us and stuff. Um, and then I, I conduct all of the all of the concerts that we have. You know, fortunately, there's an organi- uh, the, there's a board of members who put together a lot of where we go and when we're doing the the performances. But I have to figure out what we're going to sing, and I have to make it sound good. Uh, do you have any inter- direct interaction with the youth choir, the City of Palms Youth Choir? Um, so I I don't conduct that group or or see them regularly, but um, Matt Kohler is the mm-hmm. conductor of that group, and he and I have been uh, talking about next season already to to get ready for. We actually have two anniversaries coming up. It's our twentieth anniversary, and it's their fifth anniversary. So because they line up 
we're going to try and do something collaborative. And um, so we work together to get those things to happen artistically. Um, and I, I plan to attend as many rehearsals as I can to see those kids and, and get them kind of into our ensemble if they stay in the area. My daughter was in the very first version of the middle school choir five years ago. Oh, great. She did the first two years, but then she got sucked into musical theater and mm-hmm. it was a little different world. And now she's at Cypress doing theater stuff. So it yeah. was a great foundation for her, though. She loved that time. Awesome. Um, do you have a most memorable conducting moment? When I was conducting? Yes. Not necessarily just, I mean, any of all time. I think um, in my master's degree, I felt really connected with the ensemble that I conducted at the end of my, my time at Temple. Um, we did a, we conduct a choir. It's called Graduate Conductors Choir. So it's our music that we select um, and that really that entire concert was really special because I had worked with all of those students for two years or many of them for two years. I felt really connected to them as people and I sang with them in so many different groups too that I think those moments were um, really special to me, just standing in front of them and being able to conduct them because I knew them as people so well um, and and as musicians. And I think it was really a collaborative experience. I think that's really important. So it was it was a lot of fun for me to, to be able to do that. Uh, and I think when it comes down to it, if you're not having fun while you're doing it, it something's missing. Um, I think that we don't get into this profession because we want to make money. Um, I, I do it because I love it. And as soon as that passion is gone, something's wrong. Hmm. It's time for song number two. Okay. What is it? The song is Go Your Own Way by Fleetwood Mac. Um, and it uh, reminds me of all of the road trips that I've been on with my family. Um, and it just uh, brings me back to those moments. So it's a really, really great song, too. I love Fleetwood Mac. Um, so it's exciting that we get to listen to it. Well, let's hear it. This is Go Your Own Way by Fleetwood Mac from the 1977 album Rumors. So what's going through your head when you're listening to that song intently through the lens of this show? Because you could have probably picked a couple of songs that were from that driving with your parents. So why was it that one? Um, I think I hear my mom singing this one the most in my mind as as I hear it. Um, and my parents sing in their, their church choir. They have for a long time. It's how they met. Um, and But she wouldn't consider herself, you know, a singer. She just does it recreationally, you know. Um, But I can hear her singing it in my mind. So I think that that's why I picked this one. And it's so upbeat and fun, you know. It's got a great guitar solo in it. It's got a great drum beat behind it. So I think that was part of the reason why I picked this one. It also reminds me of playing rock band, too, because uh, this was on rock band. And so I, I remember playing it and singing it and playing the drums and stuff. So I think that's the other reason that it sticks so much in my mind. But, it, I mean, we used to take these trips together in our RV all the time. And my parents would go back and forth with who was driving. And whenever my mom would drive, she would get to pick the music. And so I would sit up in the front with her, and she would pick Fleetwood Mac, and we listened to all of her Fleetwood Mac CDs. And we would just sing them together. And, and I think that that was how I just really started to enjoy classic rock and stuff. Hmm. Yeah. Where would you guys go in these RVs? Was it like big summer trips to state park or to national parks? And exactly. Like that? Yeah. Actually, when I was in middle school, we went out west and um, we 
did all of it, you know, um, and it was a really fun experience. But also I was in middle school and my brother was at the beginning of high school. So it was a little bit like, how long can we, you know, tolerate each other before things get a little crazy? We actually ended up coming home a day earlier than we had planned. Wow. Because we were There's a little. a family story. Yeah. <laughs> we were just a little bit sick of each other. Well, when you're, you know, four people in an RV together, for that many days in a row, it just gets a little bit. So when you guys were singing cabaret, you were the seven-year-old. Yeah. I thought you were the 11-year-old. No, okay. no. Yeah, my brother is older than me, yeah. Are there any other um, bands or songs that are, like, tied to that, to those RV trips for you? Yeah, um, you know, more later on, we started listening to Doobie Brothers a little bit more, too, when we were in, in the car. Um and Queen, we listened to Queen too, and then we would listen to musicals. So um, I think that those those are a lot of the the people that we listen to when we're in the car. When you're hearing music like that, is the music director brain trying to pick it apart and see the pieces, or are you disconnected from that when you're listening to you know pop music or rock music? I think that it's impossible to ever disconnect completely. Um, I think as a professional musician, we're always thinking about. The chord structure, the you know, just all of the the things that go along with the song. I do my best to not care as much, um, but it, it's always kind of back there. That's why I can't listen to music with words when I'm studying or or reading. It it distracts me too much. Or music that I know. I mean, orchestral music that I know I can't listen to either. It has to be something unfamiliar that I don't know the melody. Um, and even then it's hard because it's like, oh, well, I like this. Where is this going? You know, is this in minor now? I don't, you know, yeah. those are the kinds of things that are just instinctively going through my mind. Do you compose music? I don't. Um, my boyfriend is a composer, but I, I don't really consider myself to compose uh, well. So I just decided to let that to other people. Write any songs for the guitar or the ukulele? Um, you know, when I was younger, I used to do that. I kind of just make up little songs on the guitar, but I don't do it so much anymore. Uh, it would be nice to be able to get back into that headspace and do that again. Uh, seen much live music and not like choral music, but like, you know, bands. No, no, I don't. Yeah, I think that that's just something that I if I'm going to spend money to sit and listen to music or stand and listen to music live, I would rather see an orchestra or, you know, a choir and orchestra. Um, I, I used to go see the uh, Philadelphia Orchestra when I was living there. Um, and I saw Yannick. He's the conductor of the Philly Orchestra, and they're, he's incredible. And I saw them do all of Messiah. So that's usually what I spend my money to to go see if I'm going to listen to live music. Uh, do you have any TV theme songs committed to memory that you can sing for us right now? Oh, my goodness. And we'll sing along with you if we can. Um, I could probably sing the Friends theme song. Okay. Um, but I have to remember how it goes. How does it start? <laughs> Richard? Dan Dan la dan dan There it is. So no one told you life was gonna be this way. The joke you broke, you love watch the away. It's like you're always stuck in second gear. When it hasn't been your day, your week, your month. Or even your year, but I'll be there for you. When the rain starts to pour, I'll be there for you. Like I've been there before, I'll be there for you. 
like it's there for you too. Oh, nobody knows the second verse. Nice job. <laughs> Thanks. Do you know the second verse? No, I okay. don't know it. <laughs> so you're glad we turned it down? Yes. No one knows it. Oh, no, thank you. Very well done. Um, do you have any favorite songs to sing along to besides <sighs> the Friends theme song? Um, uh, favorite songs to sing along to? I don't know. I, I, that's hard to say. I think anything like if uh, if you start playing some Queen, I would li- I would start singing along to some Queen, just about anything. A Bohemian Rhapsody, it's a good one. As somebody who listened to Queen for a long time, hasn't it been nice to see their resurgence in the culture yes. and everybody? Because you know, I I I grew up because l- listening to Queen because of my brother and back. There was a time when people, mainstream people were very snarky about Queen. Yeah. And then suddenly now everybody's been listening to Queen forever. Yeah. It's funny. <laughs> actually, my roommate um, from from in Philly and in college, she said that her brother had discovered this great band, Queen. And it was probably like 10 years ago at this point that he discovered this yeah. band. I was thinking – Hidden gem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I think they were popular much earlier than that. But yeah. Um, uh, you said you've seen a lot of musicals. Do you have a favorite like Broadway musical? or stage musical? A favorite one. Uh, there are a lot of really great ones. I saw Book of Mormon mm-hmm. on Broadway. Uh, my brother and I did Standing Room Only and my dad won the lottery. He's won the lottery to see, sit in the front row like Does he ever buy times. lottery tickets? No, he doesn't. He really should. <laughs> He's worn out all his luck on yeah, the theater. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Um, so we all saw that but at two different places. You know, we, My brother and I were standing. That's a great show. It's really funny and uh, really well written. Um, what else? I, I like Les Mis a lot. It's got a, a sen- sentimental um, thing for me because I saw it when I was so young. Um, I think that those are probably two that stick in my mind. I really want to see Hamilton, obviously. That's a very popular one. I've listened to the soundtrack. It's coming to town next year, I think. I know, yeah. yeah. The, the tickets aren't on sale yet, but I'm definitely going to look as soon as they go up. I went to see Book of Mormon at uh, Barber B. Mann three, four years ago, and it was clear about 15 minutes in that there was a percentage of the audience that didn't know what they were in for. Oh, you know, no. Maybe just season ticket holders that we go to all the shows. Right. There was some grumbling and even a few people walking out. I believe that. <laughs> yeah, you got to do your research before you go see a show. What about uh, movie musicals? Movie musicals. Um, so uh, Moulin Rouge, I, I really like that one. They turned that into a uh, a show, like a stage show, I oh, think, really? recently. Is it as frenetic as the movie? I have no idea. I haven't seen it. Um, but it's it's pretty comical in some ways because they just stick as many popular songs in it oh, as yeah. possible. So I liked that one a lot when I was younger. Um, you know, everybody saw Mamma Mia. I liked that one too. I thought it was cute. I didn't. You didn't see Mamma no. Mia? I did not see I the just recently one. learned it's about like ABBA or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It uses I, all I, ABBA music. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's that's didn't know that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, those are. I think those are the ones that stick out. Uh, I saw Les Mis when it came out in theaters, but I wasn't a huge fan of the musical movie. What about uh, karaoke? Karaoke. Uh, you know, karaoke is something that doesn't happen um, for me often, but uh, I had a friend in my master's degree that loved to go to karaoke. So I, we actually would go to a piano bar. Um, we kind of like the uh, the live aspect of it, you know, the live music. So we would do that sometimes. But I had to take a lot of convincing to sing. Um, I usually would do a duet with one of my other friends from my master's degree. One time it went okay. The second time, everybody loved it. Um, we did um, that song from Rent. Um, 
the first time, and that wasn't so good. But then we did a song from Wicked, uh, which which ended up being pretty good too. So. Not doing karaoke alone is that connected to why you like to sing with choirs and not alone? You know, maybe it could be. I never thought about it before. Um, I don't like singing by myself. It just it feels too exposed, I guess. So I think that that's probably part of it. Hmm. Time for song number three. Okay. Um, so this is uh, actually a little bit of a, a selfish reason that I put in this. Well, I mean, isn't it all a little the bit selfish? The whole thing is self. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's also kind of a plug for, for the Master Singers because we're singing this song mm-hmm. later. But I didn't necessarily do it too much on purpose. It's called There Will Be Rest. And it's by a band composer, Frank DeKelly. Uh, he writes a lot of wind music. Um, and so this piece is really important to me because I sang it first in high school and it was conducted by the conductor who encouraged me to go into conducting. Um, and so I think that that's why it holds so much weight for me. And it's a really, really beautiful piece. I had to put something choral in there. I couldn't stick away from from that too much. Something you listen to often? Uh, well, right now, yes, because I'm preparing it for the choir oh, right. too. Yeah. Um, but before that, not often. It is kind of in my iTunes, so it it appears sometimes, but not on not too much on purpose before recently. Is this the first time that you will be conducting it with a choir? It is. How's that feel? It's pretty exciting. Yeah, I think um, I I was. I actually wasn't sure if this was the piece I had to ask my conductor. I had to ask him. I was like, is this the piece? Fake we... memory, real memory. No, it's a, it's a real memory. But there's so many pieces yeah. that I've sung under him now that I had to remember. Um, I had to ask him for sure if it was it. All right, let's listen to it. This okay. is There Will Be Rest by Frank Tekeli from the 2004 album Through the Green Fuse. How's that make you feel? Ah, oh, it's just such beautiful music. I don't care who you are, you listen to it. I think I feel like it has to influence you in some way. I mean, a choral music is so powerful because it has text. You know, when you listen to instrumental music, it doesn't have that power, you know. I mean, this poem is just so beautiful. And um and the way to Kelly writes it, he sets it just so well. It's just absolutely gorgeous music. And for me, it takes me back to the first moment that that Chris Kiver conducted me on it. Um, it. It was so powerful to me in that moment because I was in high school and never had a conductor walked onto the podium, said nothing, and gave the first the first beat. Um, and I think that was the moment that I went, I want to study with this person. I mean, he was just so he, he grabbed my attention by saying nothing. Um, and and just we made music together. That was the first thing that we did. And I think that he thought through that and made an active decision to do it that way so that it meant something to us to sing together as opposed to, okay, well, pay attention to this rest and make sure you cut off here and, you know, this is harder to sing because it's unison, whatever. He didn't say any of that. It was a, an immediate moment of we're going to do this together and there will be rest and it will be beautiful. You were in high school. You studied under him at Penn State. Yeah. How did that conjunction happen? Um, so I, I actually, you know, Penn State is so well known for being a crazy, you know, we love Penn State school. You know, everybody just lives and breathes Penn State. And 
I had thought I will not apply there. Everybody's just too gung-ho. And then I had Chris Kyber as my conductor, and I went, okay, I think I want to apply here um, for him, you know. And and then I had a um, a lesson with my piano teacher, and I I thought that he was really great, and, and that was when I decided, well, you know, I don't have to be gung-ho Penn State. I can go there and, and just study there for a specific reason that isn't football-related. So uh, Did you make it through? I did, yeah. Are you gung-ho Penn State? Um, you know, I, I have Penn <laughs> State pride. Uh, and through everything that the school has been through, you know, I, I feel like I have, a, a, you know, I, I enjoyed being there. I liked the atmosphere of it all. Um, is it something I would consider doing again, you know, being a part of such a, a strong football school? Maybe not. But um, it was definitely an experience that I will never forget. You know, it was interesting that you said that, you know, choral songs have text because as I was listening to that, I kept just hearing the music and forgetting to listen to what or to try to listen to mm. what was being said. Can you summarize what was being said? Yeah. Um, so it's a uh, a beautiful poem. Uh, it's There Will Be Rest and Shore Star Shining. Um, and so I think it's kind of a reflective text about how music is restful, about um, – how we can listen to music and and it kind of just wash over us and and feel like I don't know just like rest. I can't think of another way to describe it. Could wash it. over us and make us forget to listen to the lyrics. Like yeah, I, like, yeah, like you did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. So when you're putting that together for the symphonic master singers, how much? interpretation goes into that? How much will what they end up singing sound like that? Explore that variation if there is much. Um, I mean, it's interesting you hear a recording of the same piece and it sounds different each time because each conductor is trying to get a different thing out of it. Um, You know, I'm I'm so big on tech stress with with choirs, making sure that we sing words the way we uh, say them. So the word music is sung quite a bit in that piece. And actually in the last rehearsal, when we were rehearsing this piece, I said, we don't say music, music, because they were giving equal emphasis to both syllables. We say music. So that that's important for us to do when we sing too. It makes the, the music come alive. It it gives it more purpose. It It's not just notes on a page. Now it's notes with words tied to it. And that we can express it through text stress as well as dynamic contrast. Have you ever gotten up in front of a choir and not said anything? Like no, he no, did? not like not, like Doctor Kyver. I did not do that yet. I would love to. I think that I'm I'm just not as um, regal as he is. You know, he just has this presence. Like he walks in front of you, and it feels very stoic. I'm a, a little bit more sporadic than he is. I'm a little crazy. So I think that it would be hard for me to be that that stoic like he is. Was there a fourth song that you had to whittle away at the end? Um, no, I don't think so. It was actually really difficult to find three songs hmm. that um, had some variety in them uh, that had a specific story attached to them. F- for me, a lot of music is there are so many things attached to it um, that it it was really difficult to to find three songs that I think had a, a specific moment um, attached to it. If you were going to start a band and you had time to do this, mm-hmm. what kind of band would it be? 
oh, it'd definitely be like a, a cool 80s rock band or something like that for sure. Yeah, with some electric guitar. I don't know what I would do. Um, sing, I guess, sing backup vocals because I don't like to be in the spotlight. Um, <laughs> You'd start a band so you could sing backing vocals. I would love that, that actually. That's a lot about you. <laughs> yeah, I think that that would be really fun. Uh, Shannon, you uh, let's say you get carte blanche to do um, a an orchestra with one of the classic rock bands that you love. Oh, like where they do the mashup. Oh, yeah. I see. Yeah. Like, like Metallica's S&M. But, oh, yeah. But they did that already, so you don't get to pick that one. Okay. Um, man, I don't know. I That's a really difficult question to answer. So you, you want me to like do a song? There's no, there's with no an, stakes on this. <laughs> no, I know, but... You're wrong. Yeah. Uh, so you want me to pick a song that I would do with an orchestra that's like no, a... No, no. You could pick any classic rock band that you already love and have them play one of their songs with an orchestra that you get to conduct. Oh, I see, I see, I see. Which band would you like to conduct, basically? <laughs> yeah, um, I would I would like to conduct Queen, for sure. That would be... That would be the move. That would that would be it. But that's not really possible with Freddie well, Mercury. Okay. But, yeah. Well, that's yeah. a hypothetical. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite band? Do I have a favorite band? I don't know. I don't think so. I think that not that or like that that currently perform. I don't think. Yeah, that would be hard for me to decide. Of all time, what have you spent the most time listening to in terms of popular music? I don't know. <laughs> See, this is so hard because I don't listen to popular music. Right. right. Yeah. Gotta... It would it would have to be like Fleetwood Mac or or all of the bands yeah. I've already kind of described. What about an album that you will prefer to listen to in its entirety if you have the time to do it? Are there any of those that you return to? See, you keep going into a, a direction that I just don't That's often okay. go. That's okay. You yeah. don't have to. Um, um, uh, so besides that third song, what else are you immersed in because of work right now? Um, lots of Beethoven. Uh, 2020 is would be his 250th birthday. So um, everybody in the in the classical world is doing something Beethoven. Um, the Master Singers were doing the ninth with the Gulf Coast uh, Symphony, and so uh, we're preparing that. We're also going to do Beethoven's Mass in C in the spring as um, just us. I'm conducting for that. So lots of Beethoven right now. What would your 14 year old self think of who you are now? Uh, I think they would think, holy moly, when did you start holy loving moly. holy moly? <laughs> when did you start loving classical music so much? I used to tell my dad, I don't want to do classical music. I don't want to do it. And then all of a sudden something shifted. And so I think that they would be – they, she, 14-year-old me would be surprised that I've, I'm in a position like this. Yeah. Can you recommend uh, three or any number up to three people who you would share this podcast with when it comes out who you also think might make a good guest on it? And they don't necessarily have to be local. Oh, OK. Um, I'm definitely going to share it with my family, but probably first my brother just because of how um, – how influential you know music was in our lives when we were young, um, and also he's the funniest person in my family. So I think he would be really good to to talk to. He would make jokes, and you know he would be great to to talk to about music because it's a huge part of his life, but it's not his profession. Um, probably the next person I would tell 
um, is my friend from Philadelphia. I keep picking people that aren't around here. She, That's uh, okay. She's a professional musician, but she sings jazz. And so uh, she – She's like one of my closest friends. We've known each other since high school. And so music has been really important to us. And so she would provide a What's her name? Her name is Callie Graver. Okay. She's an amazing jazz vocalist um, in the Philly area. And uh, she would be – she would have a great perspective on on jazz. And I I have no idea what kind of music she would pick for it. So I would be interested to see what her three songs would be. Did you say three people? Up to three. Up to three. Um, I think I'll leave it at two. Okay. Are there any songs that you'll avoid listening to if you are suddenly thrust into their presence because they come on the radio or something? Either because you just don't like the style or you don't want to remember whatever they remind you of? Yeah, that that new song, that Old Town Road, whatever it is, I just can't. I can't listen to it. I don't like it. If it comes on the radio, I will turn it off. I'd rather listen to nothing. (laughs) I'm just going to leave it at that. Do you know Bo Burnham? Bo Burnham. He's a oh, comedian. Yeah, yeah. He does this country song where he kind of makes fun of a country song and it's just – every lyric is just so on the nose. It's just like, you know, big truck, warm beer. Yeah. You know. that, I only heard like a little bit of that old – what's it called? Old, old country road? Old town, old, old town, town road. Old I town think. road. Yeah. I only heard yeah. a little bit of it and I was like, that sounds like the Bo Burnham song. Yes. <laughs> uh, OK. Well, any final thoughts? That's the end of our uh, three-song story road. No, I think this was fun. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks for doing it. We make this show in the studios of WGCU Public Radio at Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Richard Chinqui is co-creator and producer. Tara Calligan is online content producer. Chris Duffus is our executive producer. Our theme song was made by Dave 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 Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. For this week's Parting Tune, we're going all the way back to the pilot episode of this show with my co-creator Richard Chinqui. We've picked up quite a few new listeners in recent weeks. Hey there, new listeners. So I want to draw attention to our humble beginning that Richard Richard and I recorded more than a month or so before recording our first real episodes to see if the concept would work and to have something to share around the station to see if it was cool that we proceeded with producing the show. I listened back to it last night, and if I do say so myself, it's definitely proof that the concept works. And like I said to Richard way back then, if we could only ever do as good as we did with that first test episode, we'll be doing good work. And while the core concept behind the show has not changed a bit, the way Richard edits the music has come a long way since episode zero. So we're actually re-releasing a remastered version, if you will, of the pilot episode this week as bonus content. So feel free to check that out or scroll all the way back to the beginning and hear how it sounded when we first set it free. This is Richard's second song story. It's the origin story for his daughter's lullaby. This is Lon Lon Ranch, the orchestral version, originally from The Legend of Zelda 64. The day that my daughter was born, the first night, the first time I got to hold her really for more than a minute, she was fidgety and crying like a newborn is, and that is the first song that I ever kind of sang, hummed to her, and it worked. And I, I didn't have a plan. Like, I just was holding her, and I was just like, let me hum this song that I remember from 15 years ago. And I did my best to remember what it sounded like, and she fell asleep. And I just sat there for, I think, three hours, you know, in, in, in a dark hospital room. Uh, and it, it's still her lullaby. She's five now. 
keep listening. Next time on Three Song Stories. I can hear my sister in my mind singing that to me. You know, at night or in the dark or if we're walking someplace a little scary, she would sing, I don't want to walk without you, Bobby. Mm-hmm.